Amen. 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 I want to talk to you about the same power. And we're going to call this series. We'll see where it goes. I don't have no idea yet exactly how far to go. But I want to talk to you about the same power. Romans 8 and verse 11 says this. Paul is writing. And he says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. So it was the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Okay? We talked about uh, Easter, the, the resurrection last week. It was the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Paul says, that same Spirit lives in you. Amen. As a believer, Amen. that same Spirit of God, the Spirit of God who raised and brought forth the resurrection of Christ, it lives in me. Not outside of me, not somewhere else. It's not hanging out in heaven. Okay? But He... The Holy Spirit resides in me as a believer. And Paul says, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Because the spirit lives within me, he is going to give life into me. Not just breath, but spiritual vigor, power, life inside of me. And we're going to talk about what that means. For each of us. You see, after the resurrection, uh, I, ha I have to think that the question had to have been, now what? Now what? Because everything had changed. And eventually Jesus ascends and you've got these disciples that are, that are left. And they had to have that question, now what? You see, after the resurrection, the Word of God tells us that in Matthew 28, 8-10, it says that Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. How would you like to be the other Mary? I always like that verse. He appeared to Jesus and the other Mary. Oh, she's the other Mary. Okay. Um, it also tells us that Jesus appeared to two believers walking along a road. After the resurrection, the Word of God tells us that, that Jesus appeared to his disciples. And he dealt with their doubts and he allowed them to touch him. He ate with them. In John 20, verses 24 through 31, Jesus makes a very special appearance to a guy named Thomas to, to settle his doubts. You know, Jesus can handle your doubts. And in fact, he goes out of his way to prove himself to us. In Acts 1 and verse 3, the, the Word of God tells us that that during 40 days after his crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus appeared from time to time to the apostles. And he proved to them, the word of God says, in many ways that he was actually still alive. The word of God says that he ate with them, he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that on one occasion during those 40 days, Jesus actually appeared to a crowd of over 500 people all at once. That had to have been amazing. How'd you like to be in the crowd that day? And he shows up in the flesh and he was there. Everybody knew he'd been crucified. But there he was. And then Jesus ascends into heaven. And the disciples watch him leave. But before he does, he says some words. You know, last words are important. They're very important. And Jesus, one of his last, the last things he tells his disciples is he gives them what is known as the Great Commission. Now, I want to read those to you. Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19. They're on the screen if you want to follow along. 
The Word of God says Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Verse 19 says, therefore go. Everyone say go. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's also recorded in Mark 16, and we'll read that one as well. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16 say, And then he told them, Go! Come on, give me a go. Go! Alright, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Anyone, right? But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So he tells us to go. But I want you to know that go wasn't the last instructions that Jesus gave. You see, his last instructions were actually wait. Wait. In Luke 24 and verse 49. Let's see if we can get that one. Luke 24 and verse 49. The Word of God says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus speaking. Just as my Father promised, but stay. Come on, tell me stay. 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 Stay here in the city. Until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. He said to go, but first he said to stay. Okay? Acts 1, verse 4 and 5. The Word of God says this. Jesus still speaking. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them. That's a key phrase there. He commanded. And here's what he said. Do not leave Jerusalem until... The Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice that word command. See, I want you to know that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not an option. It's essential. It's not a suggestion, it's a command, and you need it. Knowing the urgency of our, of, of our going in the Great Commission, why the command to wait? Well, Acts 1 and verse 8 tells us why. Acts 1 and verse 8, the Word of God says, But you will receive power when? Not until. You won't have the power to do it until. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want to tell everyone in this room today that the Holy Spirit wants to do something fresh in your life. In fact, if you're a believer and you've had the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you are timid at witnessing, you need a fresh infilling. Because the promise of Scripture is boldness to witness. And you may say, well, I'm, I'm embarrassed, I'm timid. If you're timid, you need a fresh filling. Because the promise is for boldness to be a witness. You see, I, I shared these verses with you because Jesus knew firsthand the importance of being anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's really what I want to show you today. I want you, I want you to see that Jesus understood the need for the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that Jesus himself was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. The Word of God says, One day, when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. 
And as he was praying, the heavens opened. That word open there is the same exact word, um, rend. And it's the same word that was used when the temple curtain was, was open. It was torn in pieces. It's the exact same word. The heavens were torn in pieces. And from that moment on, the availability of what was in heaven, the spirit was available to mankind. The heavens opened. They were torn apart. And the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on Jesus as a dove. And the voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son. And you bring me great joy. So Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want you to see that Jesus began his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 4 verse 14 tells us this. It says, then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. He, he was filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Luke 4, 16 through 19. Let me read from the scripture. I'm going to take you through a lot of the Bible today because I want you to see that this is what the Bible says, not what some man just says. The Word of God says this. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath. And he stood up to read the scriptures. Now, now here's what would happen. Uh, they would go to the synagogue, and every day they would read from the scriptures. There'd be a scroll. And if you were, uh, let's say you were raised in the town, you were notable, you came back then, or you were a celebrity or anything, they might have you read that day. So Jesus comes home, and he goes to the synagogue as they would, and they ask him to read from the scroll. Now what would happen is, is they didn't just... They didn't just pick it and open it up and pop and pick and just read whatever. They had a, a, a system that they would read from. And they would read from the scroll. And they, they, it was, they knew on this date, this is what you would read. This date, this is what you would read. And it happened for the whole calendar. So Jesus shows up on this day. And he goes to the synagogue and he's asked to read from the scriptures. Now look at verse 17. This is why I tell you that little background. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He didn't pick it. He didn't, he didn't choose that. It was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where that day's writing was, where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This wasn't a coincidence. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim... That captives will be released. Amen. That the blind will see. That the oppressed will be set free. Praise the Lord. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Man, that's good news. That is good news. So Jesus began his ministry in the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to know that Jesus performed his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. What he did, he did in the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 10 and verse 38. The word of God says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And once that took place, there's a word that follows this sentence. Then, after he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. When the Holy Spirit is in you, God is in you. And God was with him. 
So I share all that to tell you that Jesus told these disciples after, after the resurrection and, and as he ascended, he told them to wait because they needed the same source of power that he had been functioning with. You see, you and I cannot do what you and I have been called to do without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We will not see what we dream of seeing happen in this church or in this community if all we offer is programs that are powerless. Or nice lights, or nice chairs, or it's painted right. Big whoop. That doesn't change lives. You've got to have the power of Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Now it's not wrong to try. It's just a whole lot harder. Pretty much impossible. You need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Good luck. With, you know, it's hard to witness without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can kind of fumble your way through it. But when the power of the Holy Spirit is inside of you and you're functioning through that power, miracles happen. When a person like you and like me is filled with the Holy Spirit, it makes all the difference in their life. You see, it is, it's the difference that, that it, it makes, and, and, it, and it comes into our life, and it activates us supernaturally. It energizes your efforts. When you, when I are filled with, when we're baptized with the Holy Spirit, suddenly it's no longer what you can do, but it's what He can do through me. And just in case you were wondering, what he can do never fails to be greater than what you and I can do. You see, he can accomplish more in one minute than you can do in a, in a lifetime. He can do one God idea is way better than a million of your ideas or any com committee you want to put together. Give me a God idea. He can accomplish more than you ever dreamed of. Now, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It's the key verse in the book of Acts. It's the key verse when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, when you read the book of Acts, there is a term in there, and it's, it's, it's phrased the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And there's also the phrase the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Those two terms in the book of Acts are used synonymously. Okay, They're interchangeable. Acts 1.8 Jesus says, you, that means you. Everybody point at yourself. Me. Me. You. You will. It's not, a, it's, it's not a, a fluke. It's not a, well, you might. You should. You could. You will receive power. When are you going to receive it? When? When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Not just Pastor Lane, not just Billy Graham, not, not just someone else that, that, that finds their way onto a platform or a pulpit somewhere, but every single individual who calls himself a believer will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on them. Jesus says this to his disciples. Now at this point when he says this, they've already, they have already become believers. In fact, in John 20, 22, it's one, I love this passage of scripture. 
uh, I would have loved to have been there at this moment. But he breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. So that has happened already. And the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of them. But what Jesus is referencing in Acts 1.8 is a secondary experience for these guys and for you and me. You see, Jesus is telling you and me that there is power available to every single one of us following salvation that will transform and empower us. Acts 1, the first two verses. Luke writes the following. He says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus... Now, here's, here's what I want you to notice. I wrote the book of Luke. And in the book of Luke, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. Now, I underlined some words, uh, put them in bold for you today. Began, do, and teach. Began, do, and teach. Okay? The reason I put those on there is I want you to know and I want you to, to have this conviction in your heart that the gospel was only the beginning. The book of Acts is, is a living book. It's for you and for me. It's what we're supposed to be experiencing. The, the gospels was only the beginning. It was only the beginning of the teaching ministry of Jesus. And it was only the beginning of the doing ministry of Jesus. Never fall into the trap of believing that Jesus' ministry ended in the gospels. Don't fall into the trap of believing that Jesus' ministry ended after he ascended into heaven. The Gospels were only the beginning of Jesus' ministry. I'm here to declare today that Jesus is still teaching. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is still doing signs and wonders. He's still changing lives. He's still healing people. He's still opening deaf ears. He's still healing hearts. He's still restoring marriages. He's still bringing the lost unto salvation. He is still working today. And he works through his body. Now, how many have read any of the Bible? What's the Bible say the body is? It's us, correct? It's you and I. And the Word of God says He works through you and me. That's you. His ministry is taking place through you wherever you are Monday through Saturday. His ministry is taking place, His teaching, His doing is taking place through your life, through you and I. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans 15. Romans 15, 18 and 19. Paul says, I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them, my teaching and my doing. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Eliakim. Okay? So he would do and he would teach. They, they witnessed, they saw through the ministry of Paul, the ministry of, of Jesus Christ himself. He had already ascended, but his ministry was still taking place. The Word of God tells us that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but it's a matter of power. Anytime you saw you see Paul preaching in those New Testament churches, there was the, the message of Christ, but it was accompanied by the power of God. 
There were signs, there were wonders, there were miracles. The fact that we don't see those tells me we need a fresh baptism. I want to encourage you this morning, it is God's desire to not just equip a few, but to equip every single one of us here today. This is not, and what we are doing is not a spectator sport. It's not a few individuals who find their way to a pulpit or a stage somewhere hoping to persuade the masses by their human charisma and natural talent. It is every single person operating under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's each of us. You. Me. Demonstrating. Demonstrating. That's an important word. Demonstrating the gospel. Both through our word and through our deed. And the only way that happens is through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the gospel is fully proclaimed. When you and I say what Jesus said, and when we do what Jesus did, that's when the gospel is proclaimed. Acts 1, verse 2, I want us to look at it again. We looked at it a few moments ago. The Word of God says, Jesus, he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instruction through the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus who did this through the Holy Spirit. And Luke is careful to point this out. He makes sure to convey in his writing that what Jesus did, he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe he did it because he wants to allow each of us as readers to understand that there is something very important. You see, a lot of people make the following assumption. And here it is. I've heard it many times. Well, since Jesus was the Son of God, Jesus could do whatever he wanted to do. I mean, after all, he's God. He could heal. I mean, he, he, could, he could read people's minds. He could, he could read their mail. He, he, he could do all this simply because he's God. In theory, I want you to know, in theory, that is 100% correct. But it's not true in practice. It's not what he chose to do. That's not how he chose to work. You see, even though Jesus was in fact and is God, and he certainly had the right and the ability, when Jesus came to earth, the word of God tells us that he set aside the prerogative and the privileges that came with deity. Listen to what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2. The word of God says that though he was God, speaking of Jesus, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He was not going to cling to that when he came to earth. And the word of God says instead, instead of clinging to his uh, deity, he let it go. He gave up his divine privileges. And he took the humble position of a slave. And he was born as a human being. That's not the way the Lord worked. You see, this is important. I want you to know that Jesus wasn't acting as a lone ranger while he was on earth. He was not functioning out of his divinity while he was on earth. His ministry, the things that you and I read about in this book, about him doing on his time on earth, his teaching, the miracles, they were all done through the power and through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
And here's why that's important for you and me. Here's why that should matter to each of us. The first is this. If Jesus did everything that he did simply because he was God, then guess what? You and I could never expect to be used in any way close to the way that he was used. We couldn't pull off what he's calling us to do. If what he did, he did simply because he was God, we could never do it. We couldn't pull it off. However, if as a man, as a human, like you and I, Jesus relied exclusively upon the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do everything that he did, then guess what? Suddenly, it makes it possible to literally follow in Jesus' footsteps when it comes to his anointing and power. Have you ever thought to yourself, why in the world, I mean, he's God, why in the world did Jesus spend so much time getting up early and praying? If he's God, why bother? The answer is this. Jesus knew he had to hear from God as a human. He purposely put himself in a position when he came to earth that he was absolutely dependent upon the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I would encourage you to do a little research of your own. Do a little digging. And what you'll quickly discover is this, that prior to the Holy Spirit anointing Jesus, there are zero miracles recorded in Scripture. We all like to hypothesize. I wonder what it was like growing up with Jesus as a brother. Hide and seek would have been terribly tough, right? All those kind of things. Um, but the Word of God is clear. There are no miracles mentioned until Jesus himself is anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. That ought to tell you and me something. Look at what the Word of God says in Luke 4, verse 1. So this is after Jesus' baptism, okay? After his baptism, the, the sky is torn apart, and the dove comes down, and Jesus speaks, or God speaks. The Word of God says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was full of the Spirit, Jesus was led by the Spirit. Now look at Luke 4, 14. The Word of God says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Jesus depended upon the Holy Spirit. And you get a good sense of Jesus' reliance upon the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 5, verse 17. I, want you to, I just want you to see all day today that Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus needs the Holy Spirit, you, friend, need the Holy Spirit. Luke 5, 17. I like this scripture. This is interesting to me. It says, one day Jesus was teaching. This is where they lowered, the friends lowered the, their buddy through the roof. Okay? Um, one day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Now, why do I have that highlighted? I'll tell you why. Because it implies something. That one phrase implies something. It implies that there were times when the power of the Lord wasn't present for Jesus to heal the sick. Oh, I don't know about that, Pastor. Head to his hometown. 
Read the word of God. He couldn't do miracles in his hometown. He didn't heal everybody. He walked right through crowds, passed all kinds of people, and someone finally reached out and grabbed the hem of his garment and was touched. While he was on some, there had to have been some other sick people in that audience. But there were times when the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Luke 10, 21 tells us that Jesus, how, how did Jesus maintain his joy? Well, the Word of God tells us that he did it through the Holy Spirit. He had some tough days, but he, he maintained his joy through the Holy Spirit. Everything Jesus did, every miracle, every teaching had power, not because of the fact that Jesus was God, but because Jesus was anointed and he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, verse 38. The Word of God says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with, hope, with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Why am I taking you to all these scriptures today? I want you to see this. Jesus knew. Jesus knew that he needed the Holy Spirit. And that is why the last thing that he ever says to his disciples and apostles is wait. Wait. Well, how long, Jesus? How long? I mean, I, I hate to wait. Okay? I, I push like 12. I, when I cut the Pop-Tart, I put it, I think I do 12 seconds in the microwave. That 12 seconds seems like a long time. I'm just going to be honest with you. I do not like waiting. Okay, I think that's why I do 11 or 12 seconds. I don't know why. Waiting's not fun. And Jesus says, wait. Well, how long? How long, Jesus? Well, it doesn't matter how long. Because you need what you, what's coming. So it doesn't matter how long. What's he telling? He says, wait until. How long, Jesus? Until. Do not leave until. You get power. Don't go. I called you to go. Don't go do it. You're going to blow it. You're going to fail. Don't go until the Father sends you the gift he promised. Wait. Well, how long? Wait until you receive the power from the Holy Spirit that he will give you. And oftentimes, since day one, I'm just telling you, day, this is one of the things the Lord has challenged with me from day one in moving here. All right? Oftentimes, you and I miss the experience of Pentecost because we are in way too big a hurry. We want to walk in here, we want to get this thing over in an hour and 15 minutes and beat whoever we need to beat to the restaurant. And we miss God every time. <coughs> Altars get open. If you're hungry for more of God, you need more of God, come down and fill these altars. Let's pray together. Beeline it out the back door. Step on little toes. That's why we don't have Pentecost. You want to look at the, you, you, you want to see the church that we're becoming? All you've got to do is go stand in front of a mirror. That's it. Don't put it on me or anyone else. Get yourself a mirror and look at it. Go, how full am I of the power of the Holy Spirit? That's why we miss it. We get in worship services. 
That's one of the reasons we linger after the worship is officially done. But we continue just to linger. Because if we learn to wait in his presence, so often he will meet us in that time. We don't have to be in a hurry. If I don't get around to preaching and he's moving, so be it. But let's give him space and we got to wait. But we don't like to wait. Jesus knew that you and I needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, young people, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. In the world you're growing up in, you're not going to resist temptation on your own. You can't will it. You can't make it. You can't, you can't resist. I'll tell you right now, you can't do it. Well, don't be so negative. I'm, I'm not being negative. I'm 100% positive. You can't do it. You can't resist all the temptations that are out there. Everything that's on the internet and on pornography and everything that's readily available, good luck, fella. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll never make it. All, the, all your buddies and kids are, are smoking dope, vaping, drinking, and the temptation, because everyone's doing it, it's pulling you in. You'll never, you'll never withstand that. Now, without the power of the Holy Spirit, you won't do it. You won't do it. You've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself depended on the Holy Spirit. If Jesus, the Son of God, depended on the Holy Spirit, what makes you think you cannot do it? You've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Your marriage will never survive. It won't be what it should be without the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew we needed it. And it's the same power that resurrected Jesus from the grave. It is the same power that enabled Jesus to do what he did. He walked on water. He, he, he raised people from the dead. He spit in mud, in dirt, made mud, rubbed it on a dude's eyes, and healed it. He did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same power is available to you and to me. It will empower us to do what he's called us to do, what the word declares we should be doing. And it's also why Jesus said this in John 14, 12. Jesus' words. He said, I'll tell you the truth, anyone. Did you know you're in anyone? I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me. I like this word too, will. Well, I might do that someday. I could. That, my Bible in every translation I pulled out, it said Jesus' works. He said, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works. Why? This is Jesus speaking. How in the world are you going to be able to do what Jesus did? And even greater? Hey, he did some great things. The Word of God says, uh, the Gospels record that if everything was recorded, there wouldn't be enough books to hold it on. But Jesus says, I'm going to do the same works that he's done. I'm going to touch people's lives, see miracles happen in their life. Why? How? Because. Because I'm going to the Father. I'm leaving. And I'm sending a, someone else that will empower you. And that's why he says, wait. Wait for the promise. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
And there is power available to every single person in this room today. Whether you choose to receive it or not, there is power available to you. Following salvation that will absolutely transform and empower every area of your life. Every area. And here's the incredible news this morning. This promise of power wasn't just for those first disciples. It wasn't just for people who were part of the early church. Acts chapter 2 and verse 39 says this. This promise is to you. To your kids. Even to the Gentiles. That includes us. That's, that's us. That's what we got any Jewish brothers and sisters in here. This is for us. All. All who have been called by the Lord our God. This isn't the Assemblies of God thing. This isn't the Baptist thing. This isn't the Calvary Chapel thing. This isn't a Methodist thing. This is the Bible thing. The kingdom of God thing. It's, it's not a, a, uh, a viewpoint that some denomination has. It's in the word of God. It's for everyone. This promise of power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for you. For me. It's for your kids. For your grandkids. For anyone. Regard did you know this is for anyone, no matter what you dirty deed you ever done? It's for you. For anyone who has surrendered their life to Christ and who is endeavoring to live their life for his glory. I tell you right now, there's nothing more exciting than being so full of the Holy Spirit. Did you know you could be so full of the Holy Spirit? You should be so full of the Holy Spirit that when you're walking through Walmart, you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say, go talk to that person. And you walk over to them and you immediately know what they're going through and they're struggling with or what they're dealing with. And you speak prophetically. I say, the Lord just showed me your sons run away. I want to pray for you today. I want you to know that he's aware of it. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Or you could be in school, seated next to someone. And the Lord says, man, they're going through it at home. And you, you, you make an effort to step into their life and you don't embarrass them. But all of a sudden, they're aware that God, how, would, how did you know that? You knew it because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And he spoke to you. And he used you, just like he used anybody in Scripture. But he did it because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Did, some of you, did you know he, he, he not only promised you, he promises us power, victory over sin, Right? He forgives us our sin, but he also gives us power to, to have victory over it on a daily basis. That comes through the Holy Spirit. Praise God for his forgiveness, but I don't know about you, but I've had some hang-ups in my past, 
And I come down here and I've asked for forgiveness and he cleaned me, but I'm still wrestling with him. I walk out that door and I'm still... You know what that tells me? I need to be so full of the Holy Spirit to where he empowers me to not do what I've been doing. Because I can't pull it off on my own power. I've tried. So I've got to have his power to do it. And he'll give me that power. Now, I say all of this. And we're, you're going to have an opportunity every week, every stinking week until the Lord changes things, okay? I refuse to be a Pentecostal church in name only. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. I, it's not about me. It's not about a denomination. Uh, but if we don't offer people power and victory over the things that they're dealing with, then we have failed them. There's a verse in, in Acts and Luke writes, this is that that they told you of in Joel and all that when he was explaining. I always, I'm always like, well, if this is that, then where is that at? I go in Pentecostal churches all over America. They're no different than anyone else. I read the Word of God. And I see that that early church was filled with miracles. Lives dramatically changed. They didn't, they didn't keep living in the, the hang-ups that they had. They were set free. And it's because the Holy Spirit was there. The Holy Spirit was moving in people and on people and, and through people. And I want you to know that you may feel so inferior. You may feel like a total failure. You may think, God could never use me. You couldn't be more wrong. Those are the people that God chooses to use. He looks for people like that. They would just be bold enough to say, Lord, if this, I don't understand it all, but Lord, if you've got something for me, if you've got power for my life, here I am. That's all he's looking for. There's no hoops to jump through, nothing. He's the baptizer. And we're going to pray every week. We're going to end every week this way. And we're going to see people baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're going to walk from here with, with power and victory over the areas of your life. You're going to walk from here. We're going to start hearing testimonies of how the Lord spoke into your heart. And you walked over to someone and you talked to them and their life was dramatically changed or they were led to Christ. Not on some video that we have to import and scour the internet for hours to find some testimony of someone leading someone to Christ. But it's happening here. Because we're full of the Holy Spirit. It has to happen. It has to happen. I don't want anything else. I've taken my whole ministry Tell you where I'm at. I've staked my whole ministry. Of one time in my life, I want to be a part of something so big that only God can do it. With a group of people that would just dare to say, why not us? Why not us? Why not? If the power is available to us, James, to be so full of the Holy Spirit that when you're up here playing, and you're listening, you're trying to get all the music and the notes right, but he, he starts to lead you in another direction. And you know it. And you get a word of knowledge for someone sitting over there that's just going through it.
and in the midst of your worship to be able to change and go into something completely different than you ever planned. And it was so in line with what the Holy Spirit was doing that it dramatically impacted someone's life. Man, give me that over, over anything else we can offer people. I tell you right now, give me it any day. I hope you like what you hear on Sundays, but quite honestly, I don't care if you don't if, if, if you like everything and you don't get the Holy Spirit, we miss it. If it's charismatic and you cheer and you clap, awesome. But if we don't get the Holy Spirit, we missed it. We missed it. We gotta have the Holy Spirit. And I say this with love, man. I say it with encouragement. The Holy Spirit wants to anoint you. He wants to empower you. You may have had an experience with the Holy Spirit. You may have come to an altar and had that in the past. Let me tell you something. That's just the beginning. The Word of God says keep being filled. Don't live off of something 20 years ago. Well, I had an experience at youth camp. Good for you. What's that done for you lately? Where's the fruit? When's the last time you went... When's the last time you led someone to Christ? Yourself. The Word of God says that it'll give me power to witness. If I'm not, if I don't have power to witness, then I must not be filled. I need a refilling. I've been praying that for myself. I want to walk in stores. I want, I want to, wherever I'm at, neighbors, I want to lead them to Christ. I want to just tell them about Jesus. I want power to witness. And I want a full church just full of people who are willing to do it. Say, Jesus, here I am. 